welcome to Read Write Geek, a podcast for book nerds of every stripe. I'm your host, E. Marie Robertson. It's going to be a great trip. Welcome aboard. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're talking about making money with fiction. Most of us who write fiction have a dream of making money with it. There are lots of other pathways to making money with nonfiction and what I call functional writing, stuff like brochures and ad copy and speeches and that kind of thing. But getting paid for fiction is something altogether different, and it's a lot more elusive, to be honest, uh, just based on my own experience and what I hear from other people. So we're going to talk about that unicorn, and there's a challenge for you at the end of this podcast, so you'll want to stay tuned for that, because healthy competition makes the world go round. Am I right? I'm so right. One caveat, though, this isn't a podcast about how to get a traditional publishing deal. You guys know if I had the magic sauce for that, I would have a publishing deal, and you'd be listening to podcasts about juggling book deadlines and how to earn out your advance as fast as possible and what a pain it is to have to go on multi-city tours, blah, blah. Um, What we are going to talk about, though, right now is uh, shorter fiction, such as short stories and flash fiction, and longer fiction that can be serialized with advice around making money with those. So if we start with short fiction... Um, If you write short stories, then the the obvious way of making money with short stories is to get them into paying markets, okay? And I'm doing air quotes when I say paying markets because that means, you know, publications will actually send you money for the privilege of printing your work, but all paying markets are not created equal. Uh, Some of them pay by the word. Some of them pay by the printed page. Some pay honorariums of like $25, And some, honest to God, pay you in contributors' copies and coffee. Uh, The level of compensation, too, is not always equivalent to the level of quality of the publication. But as you might guess, the competition increases alongside the level of compensation. So probably the the best example of this is kind of the old-school collection of commercial print magazines that publish fiction that tend to pay pretty well. Okay. The main one, of course, is going to be The New Yorker, which is kind of the big Mac Daddy of paid short fiction. And they can pay you like up to 7500 bucks for a short story. And other publications like Harper's, and Harper's is so old school that they still require a snail mail submission. So even as odd as that seems, and they're very close to the vest, Harper's is, about how much they will pay you. But we can guess that it's going to be a reasonably big check. Both The New Yorker and Harper's publish short fiction by people like Annie Dillard and Jonathan Franz, so that gives you an idea as the bar for quality. Um, There are occasional unknown authors who uh, show up in the mix, for sure, but oftentimes it's big-name authors with large followings and multiple published works who are getting their work into, especially The New Yorker. Neither of these publications is easy to get into. The number of submissions to them is huge, so the competition is really, really steep. You can get used to hearing that because you'll, you'll hear that a lot. 
Now, smaller, more literary magazines that pay include things like The Sun, which is a lovely magazine that will pay you up to $2,000 for accepted fiction, and McSweeney's, which has varying rates for published fiction, and then true literary journals like the Georgia Review, uh, the Antioch Review, the Virginia Quarterly, Granta. Lots of competition to get into those because they are so well-respected. It's the cachet in that instance more than the payment. But again, a lot of variation in payment, some paying by the printed page, some paying by the word, some paying uh, a $25 honorarium. Okay. How do I know all this? Well, guess what? <laughs> I've submitted and been rejected by a lot of these publications back in the day when rejections did come in snail mail. I actually created a project for myself when I was living in Atlanta and papered my bathroom with rejection letters. Um, which, now that I think about it, was probably not the best message to send to myself. But anyway, the rejection notice that I got from Parabola, for example, was really nice. They sent me their editorial calendar, and somebody had written a little handwritten note that said, we hope you submit again. Um, sadly, they don't publish fiction anymore, although they still accept submissions for poetry. I got a rejection notice from Harper's also that was snotty. And some sarcastic ass had written, a lovely story, but not right for us. You might try Women's Day across the bottom of it. Uh, Women's Day, in case you don't know, is kind of a cheesy commercial, quote, women's, unquote, magazine that has literally never published fiction. But all that aside, the obvious way to get paid for your short fiction is still to try to get into these paying markets, magazines, easings, literary journals, anthologies. Uh, in the olden days, we used to have to buy the enormous hard copy of that year's writer's market and pour through it to try to figure out which, if any, publications would be interested in what we were writing and how to submit to them. And let me tell you, it was damn painful, and it was expensive to buy that giant hawking book every year. So thank you, Internet. It's, it's made things a lot easier now than it used to be then. You can still buy the big hawking copy of Writer's Market, but now you can get a digital version, too, that's updated online, and it's not nearly as painful. But there are other really good ways to find this kind of information already compiled. Facebook groups is one place that is kind of a surprise to me. I'm a member of a group called Calls for Submissions, Poetry, Fiction, Art, and it's 100% calls for submission. The different members post different calls that they find wherever. It's very carefully controlled. The moderators do a great job of making sure that it's only calls for submission and no spam or attempts to defraud you or anything like that. There are other groups, Facebook groups, that focus just on specific genres, and you have to just putter along Facebook long enough and you'll find them. And you can also follow the Am Writing and Am Submitting tags on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find uh, lots of folks talking about open paying markets there as well. Another great resource is Erica Vario. Uh, Erica Vario is a member of Calls for Submissions, and she actually has a blog called Published to Death that I'm quite fond of. She compiles a huge variety of lists for paying markets with details like pay rate and whether simultaneous submissions are okay. You really can't go wrong by subscribing to her blog. It's at publishedtodeath.blogspot.com, and I'll make sure that there's a link in the, the show notes for you. 
But she does do these compilations often, and she spends a lot of time scouring the internet, scouring the websites of all these individual publications and and anthologies and organizations and stuff, and she really produces good information, and it's reliable and it's up to date. Authors Publish Magazine, which is actually a website, also creates lists of paying publishers, usually built around a genre or a theme. They send out a free newsletter that will give you a heads up about what's in the issue every month. And this month, for example, they've already published an issue called 44 Themed Calls for Submissions in September. So it's in three more heads up articles about journals and magazines reopening for submission. Both Authors Publish and Publish to Death cover agents seeking submissions, too, especially new agents on the scene and larger publishing-related themes like publishers that are accepting unagented submissions. So those are all super useful things, both for your shorter fiction and for your longer fiction in the case of the last couple. So I would highly recommend both subscribing to Authors Publish magazine and to Erica Verrio's blog, Published to Death. Uh, Lots of information there. Um, You can find similar lists by doing a basic Google search because lots of people and various publications have done them. They're all over the internet. But the ones that I appreciate about the ones that I've already mentioned here is that they're vetted. Okay, there are plenty of scam artists out there who would just love to profit off our desire to get into print. So it's important to be careful and to avoid magazines or anthologies or contests. And that's a whole separate ball of wax. And we're going to be talking about contests later in the year. But to avoid these things that don't have a lot of history behind them, that have murky origins, or that have reading fees. Although I hear one of my favorite literary magazines, Granta, recently has implemented a reading fee because they're getting so many unsolicited submissions they've had to bring on staff just to get through the slush pile. And The Atlantic, which is a great magazine in every other way, has now set payment for unsolicited fiction submissions at zero for the same reason. So thank you, COVID. I keep saying it. Okay. If your short stories have serious potential or you have a novel or a novella lying around that would work well if it was broken up into shorter segments, then serialized publishing is a thing that's been around for a while that is a way that you can make money. Amazon has people buzzing about it like it's a new thing um, with their announcement of Kindle Vela not so long ago. But to be honest, there are several digital providers that have been doing this for a, a pretty long time. And, you know, Radish and Wattpad and Royal Road all come to mind. But let's just start with Vela. Vela uses a subscription model, and subscribers use tokens to access serialized work from the Vela platform. Those tokens are purchased, and they use up a certain number of them reading your fiction, and Amazon then splits that token payment with you 50-50. But there are really specific parameters for what you can publish, and income is by no means guaranteed, or or even really clearly stated. They say that it's a 50-50 split, but we don't really know what the value of a token actually is. So it's not really clear what we're getting 50% of. And as we've come to expect with this on, there are a ton of exclusivity conditions that are built into Vela and lots of rules about what you can do with your own work. And add that to the fact that Vela is still unproven, and we don't really have a way to predict how long it will be around. And we all know that Amazon bails on stuff that don't seem to be working for it. And it sounds a bit of a dodgy proposition to me, at least until it has more of a track record. That being said, I do know of a couple of authors 
who have made some pretty good money on Vela already. Um, one of them who is a fantasy romance writer who says in her blog that she's made about 300 bucks off of Vela in the last six or eight weeks. So it's clearly working for some people. And if you already have the stuff available, why not? The other concerning thing to me is that like KDP, absolutely anybody can do it. There's no vetting of people who want to publish their novellas on Kindle Vela. So the likelihood that the amount of trash that prospective readers will need to wade through to get, get to your good stuff is probably going to be pretty high. Like I said, Amazon didn't just magically come up with this approach on their own. Uh, we've seen things like it on Radish and Wattpad for years. Um, Royal Road, uh, Substack is looking at this now also. Wattpad has gotten kind of dodgy in recent years, and I know a lot of people who have found their work pirated and posted under other people's names on other platforms, and it's obvious that it was taken directly from Wattpad. I'm a little suspicious of Wattpad, and so I and I think a lot of the users of Wattpad come into it with the same attitude that Kindle people have, Kindle Unlimited people have, is that stuff is free, and if stuff is not free, they get irritated. Don't know that for a fact. Certainly, obviously, it's not going to be every single person, but that does seem to be sort of a cultural thing that Wattpad and Kindle share. Radish is a little bit of a different story. It's specific to serialized fiction, and it seems both more flexible and also more selective than Vela is going to be. You have to actually apply to write with them and send them work samples of what you intend to publish. Once that's approved, and it's there's no guarantee that it, you will be approved, but once you are, you set your own pricing and release schedule, and you have some flexibility over the length of the works you publish to that platform. Stories run in seasons with a minimum of 10 episodes per season, and you can use multiple pen names and run multiple stories, multiple stories during the same season. So, you can see that it's kind of based on the TV slash Netflix idea. And there are a lot of television execs and TV people, TV broadcasting people, who are part of the behind the scenes of Radish at this point. The structure, the payment structure, is different than Vela, but it's still kind of hard to figure out how much you're going to make. Payment estimates at Radish are kind of all over the place. Some people quote them as saying, you make $50 up to a 1,500 to 2,000 words to thousands of dollars per year. Radish pays quarterly, and you have to get to a $50 threshold before they cut you a check. So I think that's where the $50 idea is coming from. But the actual amount is based on episode reads on the Radish app. It's actually based on people accessing your work. And so chances are good that if you're making enough money to get the $50 payout, to hit that $50 threshold, you're probably going to get that at least two or three more times. So I would say probably that that bottom threshold is going to be like 150 bucks up to whatever the top limit is. I don't have any idea. I don't have any background with Radish. If you know somebody who does, send them my way because I would love to interview them about working for these serial um, producers. So anyway, that's Radish. I hear a lot of people speculating about publishing fiction on other 
platforms like Medium and Substack. Free Medium is a really easy way to get eyeballs on your work and build a following and kind of establish yourself as an expert or just a person with an opinion if you publish enough there. But the general consensus seems to be that it's really hard to make money with fiction on Medium unless you already have a following there that would be interested in your fiction because they're interested in you. It's very much more kind of a cult of personality thing. The advantage of something like Radish or assumably Vela is that people come to those platforms looking for short fiction. And that's not really the case with Medium or Substack, although that could always change. There are other ways to make money with fiction. Hey, you're listening to one. Serialized fiction podcasts have been really good performers in terms of building big, passionate communities. You only have to look at something like Welcome to Night Vale as a great example. From monetizing the podcast itself, to sold-out live tours, to tons and tons of merchandise, uh, Night Vale is kind of a behemoth in the fictional podcasting space. And obviously not all of us are going to hit on something that catches the public imagination so completely or have the machine and the money behind us to market it effectively. But fiction and audio plays were a staple of radio for decades, so it makes a certain amount of sense. And audiobooks are super popular. So I think there's an opportunity here, if you can figure out the right way to set it up, to utilize your podcast to make money with your fiction presented in an audio format, okay? You can monetize podcasts the same way that YouTube videos are monetized with sponsorship and ads and that sort of thing. But there are other other ways too. Admittedly, this is something I've been thinking about. I enjoy doing my podcast. It has a format right now that I like that I want to stick to for at least for a while. But you know, there's a possibility of some short fiction making its way onto the podcast, and I would appreciate a comment below if you think that's something that you would be interested in either hearing or participating in. Maybe we have other people come on the podcast and read their short fiction. So anyway, short fiction podcasting, that's another option. Uh, Then there's Patreon. Uh, There are some writers who have done pretty well with Patreon. And Overall, Patreon is a nice idea. Your fans can support you if you're not familiar with it. Your fans can support you with a regular monthly contribution in exchange for exclusive content of different types. And you get to basically control everything, the pricing, the tier levels, the types of content that you deliver. All that stuff is under your control. I have a Patreon. I have not really promoted it. I just recently changed my tier levels. I think my lowest tier is 5 bucks or three bucks a month or five bucks a month or something like that. But I'm always monkeying with it. Um, You don't really have to be a famous published author to be successful on Patreon, but it does help if people know who you are. Jenna Morassi makes a certain amount of money on Patreon, but really that's kind of fallout from her YouTube channel, right? We're, We're all familiar with her from YouTube. And so Folks from who follow her on YouTube also support her on Patreon. The same with Kate Kavanaugh and a couple of other booktubers that I know who are, you know, have YouTube channels, but they also get their get supporters on Patreon as well. Shona McGuire, who's a traditionally published fantasy author that a lot of you will recognize uh, her name, recently posted on Twitter that if it wasn't for her Patreon, she wouldn't be able to afford health insurance. So clearly it's a good option if you can work it right. Again, I don't think you have to be famous to to make it happen, but you do have to have a following. You have to build that audience somehow. Ultimately, the key 
to success for all of these is really kind of the same. You have to have a clear goal and an understanding of how much time and effort you want to put into it. Uh, If you're going to be sending out, you've decided to go the I want to get published in a magazine uh, approach, then you're going to be putting in time to write the stories, to research the publications, to follow the submission guidelines and get things submitted and track all that. And that's going to take some time. If you're going the serialized fiction route, then you're going to be preparing that. You're going to be researching Vela. You're going to be researching Radish or Wattpad or what, deciding what platform you want to be on and and pursuing that. Uh, if you want to try to make money with Medium or Substack or Patreon, you'll be doing research there and figuring out what you need to do. So have that clear goal. Decide which avenue you want to pursue based on how much time and what kind of effort you want to put into it. And then follow through. I said there was a challenge, and here it is. Let's all pick a method by which we want to make money with fiction. And let's make a plan, okay? Head over to the blog at emarierobertson.com. Find the post associated with this podcast. And in the comments, tell me what you're thinking of doing. Are you going to try to get something into McSweeney's? Are you going to look into serializing your novella on Kindle Vela? Are you going to read something on your podcast and try to monetize that by connecting to a tip jar or a Patreon? So let me know what you think you're going to try to do. Obviously, it would be great to make some money with our fiction, and I would love to do that. I recently started submitting short fiction to paying markets again. Eight cents a word, people. Eight cents a word for qualifying markets for the Science Fiction Writers Association. So you can see that you're not going (laughs) to get rich, but it would be cool to make a couple hundred bucks by getting into Uncanny or Clark's World or something like that. So that's what I'm going to try to do. My goal is to get a short story published in a Science Fiction Writers Association qualifying market by the end of the year. What's your goal? Set one, head over to the blog. Let me know what it is. Okay, that's the podcast for this week. I hope maybe you got some ideas or maybe some questions you had about different methodologies are cleared up for you. If you have any other great ideas for making money with your fiction, drop them in the comments below. Join me next Thursday for a geek-themed podcast on amazing science that inspires me. Uh, It's going to be a real mind trip for you, and I think you'll be really excited and shocked and amazed. Amazing science! So tune in next week. See you then. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. We post new content every Thursday, so don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing.